Welcome back to the show. We're about to learn the secret sauce. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to being connected. Um, I think what, a couple months ago we had dinner, engineering dinner. So yeah. got to meet in person, but originally got connected through Alana uh, from Basecase to talk about the thing you just open sourced, which was Doc Query. Uh, we will get there. I, w- I want you to introduce yourself to the audience uh, and let them know who you are and how you got here. Happy to. Yeah, uh, really excited to be here. My name is Ankur. Um, I'm a huge nerd. I, I really love uh, two things, databases and, and machine learning. And um, <laughs> That's pretty nerdy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and my beautiful wife, Alana. Um, her, you know, and by no far par- the most. No particular. No, order. no, no. It's, it's her. <laughs> and then hard to pick between machine learning and databases. Um, but yeah, prior to Impura, which is the company I now uh, run and founded, I used to work at a company called MemSQL, which is now called Single Store, and it's a relational database company. Um, and before that, I was in school studying computer science and doing research on relational databases. Um, and when I started Impura about five years ago, basically what we saw in relational database land is that if you, you have data that's really structured and fits into a relational database, there are a bunch of tools, single store, Snowflake, MySQL, Postgres, et cetera, that offer different trade-offs and let you work with uh, the data and do all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but if your data didn't fit into a relational database, for example, a PDF document, um, like an invoice, uh, then it was really, really hard to actually use the data. You couldn't query it. You were stuck having people do data entry and, and so on. Um, and so we created Impura basically to bring the world of machine learning and databases together and and solve that problem. Okay, excellent. Yeah, so... I'm going to go way back. Like my first job out of college, I had a temp job. Uh, actually, I was doing collections at the YMCA. So I was like just graduated during the recession with a finance degree, had no real options, did this temp job for a year. And I would scan documents on the copier, had like a scanner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they called it Scopy, like scan copy. Yep, yep, yep. So are you doing like similar to that? Like you can copy documents and then map out different fields? Yeah, that's right. So in the Impura world, um, after the document gets scanned, uh, our technology would take a look at the document, figure out what kind of document it is, and then automatically extract structured data from it um, and allow you basically to use that structured data in like you were probably typing it somewhere. um, Yeah. So we could like integrate with that somewhere. um, Or if you were interested in searching over it or running some queries to figure out, you know, like what the total amount of collection was between date A and date B or something. Yeah. You can do all that kind of stuff with the product. That is amazing. You know, technology, it moves so fast. Uh, I don't have that that role anymore, so I don't have <laughs> that particular use case, but I've definitely scanned documents, like take a picture of my phone, et cetera. So also complete, like one t- touch side note, I did not know MemSQL and Single Store. They're the same <laughs> company. Had no idea. Yeah. But I did see it in your background on your LinkedIn, but I was just thinking, oh, Okay, there and then there. But yeah, so explain to me that you went to school specifically for studying databases? I went to school, uh, so I wanted to be a doctor. My parents are both doctors, and so it's like, you know, it's the thing, right? (laughs) Um, And then I took AP Bio and was like, okay, I don't want to be a doctor. Um, And I was taking linear algebra um, at the University of Pittsburgh at the same time, and it just blew my mind. Like, I, I had never felt so 
I don't know, engaged. Um, and, and that sort of led me down the path of wanting to study computer science. I went to CMU. Um, everyone there was way smarter than I am. Um, they had all been programming for like 20 years and they were 18. Um, and uh, I didn't really know anything. Um, so I kind of walked in um, uh, starry-eyed and no, no idea what I was doing. I quickly found my way into the world of systems, though. Um, and again, I had that sort of experience where I, I, there's a class called Operating Systems. I took it, and then I was like, boom, this is what I want to do with my life. Um, and so that's how that happened. And then I dropped out of school after my junior year because uh, after taking that Operating Systems class, nothing else was really that interesting, or at least it didn't feel like it to me. Um, so I dropped out and then joined MemSQL as employee number two. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and now Single Store has a billboard like yeah. on, on 101, which, you know, that's every startup. That's the dream is to get a billboard. Yeah. Specifically on the 101. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what you uh, so you were engineering there. So employee too, I guess you just rose the ranks to eventually grow a team. Yeah, I um, I spent the first year as like the karate kid, basically like um, fixing bugs. Yeah. Wax on and wax off. Um, everyone there was really nice, but like 10 years more experience than I was. So they were like extremely good at what they were doing. I was a total noob. Um, but that kind of gave me a nice novice perspective on everything and led uh, me to have the opportunity to conceive and build some of the things that really differentiated us um, in the market. So um, I helped. The first project I led was actually making our single database distributed um, and then uh, supporting columnar storage and then supporting uh, query compilation and all this other stuff. Um, and that you know gave me a lot of opportunity, which ultimately led to me running the engineering team. Okay. So you eventually left that to start Impera. So like what, yeah. what caused you to make the jump and like what was the, like were you just excited about, well, you mentioned you're excited about, you're a nerd about deep databases and machine yeah. learning. So that, was that what pushed you towards that? Yeah. So um, I had a you know, really fantastic time at uh, MemSQL slash single store. Um, uh, and actually when I joined um, back in the day, I at that time I still wanted to start a company. Um, because I wanted to create something, something new. Um, yet I knew that in the area that I was in systems and, and specifically databases, I didn't know enough to be able to do that really effectively. And so, um, that was always in the back of my mind. And after five and a half years, um, and, uh, uh you know, thinking about what I want to do with the next five and a half years of my life, um, I realized that, you know, maybe it was the right time for me to start looking at, at what's next. Um, and so that's kind of what led to that. Uh, but, um, after, uh, three, four months of not thinking about work or not thinking about code, which was really hard. Um, I, I finally had like the free space and in, in my mind to think about ideas and that's kind of where Impero was born. Okay, cool. And so now it's born. It's, it's, it's working for you. Like y'all, how many years have you been working on this? Five years, five years. Wow. Yeah. So almost five and a half years yeah. in this next 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 cycle. Um, so we got reconnected and had a well, we got connected originally to chat about Doc Query and what you open source. Can you explain what that is and uh, why you chose to open source it? Yeah, absolutely. So prior to Doc Query, um, the way that Imperius product worked is that you would upload some documents and then, unlike every other product out there, which requires you to label like fifty examples of them, you only yeah. needed to label one. 
Um, and several months ago, our CTO, Richard, and I started digging into the latest and greatest stuff that's happening in the machine learning world, which is large language models. And we realized that um, there's this method of machine learning called question answering, which allows you to take you know, any body of text and any question that you want and return an answer. Um, and the cool thing about that is if you could do that with a document, then you might not even need to label the document in the first place, right? You could just think about having a document, feeding it into a model, asking a question, and then having it return an answer. And we started experimenting with this. Um, and uh, we started doing it um, with this uh, open source technology called uh, Hugging Face, um, which has a library called Transformers. And they had a really fleshed out version of doing this on plain text and a really sort of undercooked version of this for documents. And so we played with the plain text version and we still saw really good results with documents. And then we took the document version and we basically cooked it to be really, really polished and good and saw incredible results. And so our mind was blown. Like we, we looked at this and realized like, wow, this technology can completely change how our product works. Um, you don't need to provide any labels to extract data. You can handle um, maybe like 100 times as many different documents as we could before. Um, and that experience of actually uh, being able to consume something open source, uh, the polish that they had put in to make it that easy to use, um, and the fact that they had trained a lot of these models on academic or publicly available data sets, which were created for research, I, I found that just personally very inspiring. Um, and so like first and foremost, I, I, I felt just as a human, really motivated to try to contribute back because I felt like, wow, I just received a ton of value. Um, the second thing, being a little bit more pragmatic and thinking about our investors and shareholders, <laughs> yeah. is um, one of the big challenges for Impura, uh, like with many startups, is mindshare. We're a startup. There's a lot of news. Um, there's a lot of news about tech. There's a lot of startups out there. It's hard to get your name out there. And um, for us, uh, in particular, the, our customers are often people in industries like construction. They're not messing around on Twitter all the time. Um, and, you know, tapping into a sense of community, which is really important for product-led companies like us, it has just been really hard. And so I also saw an opportunity to start creating some community around open source um, in the space that we operate, which is working with data in documents. And so... Um, the other aspect to it was thinking, okay, well, if we open source something that's genuinely useful, um, which you told me, uh, uh, if we open source something that's genuinely useful, um, which is not easy to do, um, in exchange, we have the opportunity to create a bunch of mindshare and community about Impura as a company and as a brand. And I think that would serve us well. Now, what's really great is since we launched DocQuery, which kind of went viral in, in its own way within Twitter and stuff. We went from 20% of our signups being organic to 50%. And that's maintained. Wow. It's crazy. That's um, amazing. Yeah. From from the moment you turned on the switch to make the, a public repo? The day that we did the Twitter announcement. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. And it's maintained since. And if you look at the downstream funnel, we have... Um, you know, sign up something called a setup moment, which is like basic onboarding, and then something called an aha moment, which is when someone really like gets the product. Um, the percentage actually of organic increases at each stage of the wow. funnel. So these are really high quality users. I love the uh, the term aha moment too as well because yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I'm currently 
trying to set this up for for open sauce. Awesome. Uh, we haven't shipped a SaaS product yet, but by the time this comes out, check out opensauce.pizza. Um, so that's that's fascinating too as well because we had a conversation. I'll be honest, like I had not heard of Impera prior. Um, didn't actually quite. I knew it was like database stuff. Didn't know it was actually the doc document scanning. You probably explained that, but maybe my eyes glazed over when you got to that point. But that's that makes a lot of sense. And then now you have like a whole world ecosystem of developers who care about this problem that now can discover Impera, DocQuery, et cetera. So like, how is the community shaken up? Like, how are people interacting with the open source repo now it's open now? Um, so uh, one thing that's frightening for me um, as someone who's grown up in enterprise land and uh, more recently like product-led land is to an extent that's new, I don't know. Um, we have uh, a lot of downloads, which I see on PyPy. We have a lot of stars um, and stuff like that. But um, I don't have metrics. Like we don't have any telemetry yeah. in DocQuery. Um, I don't have, maybe we should, but I have no metrics about what exactly people are doing. Um, and so like to some degree it's unknown. Uh, that said, um, a lot of people post issues. A lot of people send pull requests. Um, we have a Discord channel where people uh, ask a bunch of questions and we have some really fun, detailed discussions. And then Twitter, people reach out all the time too. And um, I think what's been particularly exciting as a developer myself, when we build things at Impura, um, we often try to start with open source because it gives us some degree of confidence that um, we have ownership over what we're building. Um, nowadays that's more complicated because of the vast array of licenses. Yes. I took your advice though, and we made DocQuery MIT license. Okay. Um, excellent. And, uh, but all of that said, you know, I think, um, what's really excited me is that people who are thinking about building products and, uh, they really care about their products and want ownership over their products are incorporating DocQuery as uh, a core sort of engine inside of their product because they feel confident that they can do that in a way that, um, you know, it gives them independence and freedom to to build their business. Yeah, and there's like this. Uh, there was a trend a couple of years ago, um, like 2017, 2018, where every product had to have like a marketplace or integration platform. So like Heroku had their plugins, GitHub had the marketplace. Um, it was like a a big trend that everyone needed to have some way for other people to integrate into you. Yeah, and I'm seeing a different trend. Like, I don't know if you like where you're sitting at five and five years now working on Impera, but also previously we had MemSQL single store is that now people are creating these extensions more or SDKs rather where people can now hook into get an experience. And like my whole hypothesis and why I'm doing open source is like, I know there's a trend towards open source mm. and more and more companies are looking for that cool thing that they can sort of build community on or honestly be marketing for this sort of, um, top of funnel like or the, the next aha portion of the funnel and uh so i'm curious like from your vantage point do you see doc query like growing into something bigger or is it is it already solving all the needs you have oh um that's a it's a great and multifaceted question yeah. so um we have a really ambitious roadmap for doc query okay um, excellent which uh we can talk about um from a company how do we think about it standpoint um the first thing is we're in the process of essentially rewriting all of the user experiences in our product to be DocQuery first. Yeah. Um, and the reason is independent of open source or you know anything else, um, that core discovery that we had around how DocQuery um, 
uh, alleviates the need for people to provide labels for our models to train. It's just super valuable for the yeah. user experience. Um, so that's, you know, um, whether or not the open source project continues to take off the way that it has, or, you know, invariant of almost anything, we're very convinced that the roadmap within the Impera product um, is uh, uh, very, very doc query centric. Um, as an open source project, I think, um, I don't know all the answers or maybe even that many answers. Like I'm going to, yeah. you'll probably get more <laughs> calls from me as we start figuring this out. Um, uh, there are a lot of open questions um, about how we, how powerful do we make doc query relative to the Impera product. Um, but I think one thing that we've realized is the user experience and tooling and security and all that other stuff that you have in the proprietary product. One, that stuff is really hard to open source. Yeah. Um, and two, we feel really confident about the value that it provides for someone who's trying to do this kind of machine learning in production. So we feel pretty comfortable um, pushing more and more into the open source over time. Um, and then with respect to the roadmap, um, the thing I'll say is like Dockery, the speed at which we can move in some ways is actually a lot faster than our product because the surface area is a lot smaller. Yeah. And so there's a lot of crazy frontier stuff that we're experimenting with right now that's probably going to arrive in Dockery in advance of it having a really polished UX in the product. And one of the great things about the engagement that we've had with the community so far is people are pretty excited about this stuff and they're giving us a lot of good feedback about it. So it's a really powerful way for us to test um, early product market fit on some of the bold ideas that, that we have uh, for the product. Yeah, I mean, that makes a ton of sense too as well. It's like, it's, it is the playground, but also again, self-proclaimed data nerd, like open source becomes that place where all the nerds and that one specific thing. So like machine learning, hugging face, like everyone's excited about that this right now, but no one really knows where these engineers are coming from. And like my plan for open source on our roadmap is that we want to be able to identify here are the clusters of the, the AI folks. Yeah. Like one of the examples I have right now is um, bun bun was like a pretty hot um, new bundler for JavaScript and um, web apps. And Everyone who was like, who knew Jared, who's the, the founder of Oven is the name of the company. Like I knew Bun, everyone else I know knew Bun and it was an open source project for like a year. And like, we were all just watching this thing happen mm -hmm. and no one was surprised who knew Jared or knew the product or at the time, just the open source project that it was going to be a, com a company. Cause like he was pretty open about it, but no, like if you weren't paying attention or if you weren't a VC that was heavily focused on open source, you had no idea. Yeah. And like with your doc query like now you can attract the sort of the nerdiest folks who want to solve this problem for whatever side project because i usually it comes out of like i had a niche yeah i wasn't oh yeah wasn't really interested at the day job or the day job had a problem i wanted to go in this corner to go solve it in silence at nights and weekends or on fridays and uh now you can sort of attract that so i'm curious like how big is impira as far as engineering wise we're 12. 12? Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine, like, I don't know if it just becomes like a roadmap for also sourcing candidates. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We've had, um, uh, for us, you know, like many companies, we're being very careful with hiring right now. Yeah. Um, but we've had like an overwhelming amount of inbound interest as a result of DocQuery. Yeah. That's amazing too, as well. And it's, it's, it's the, um, so when I got, I worked at GitHub prior to starting my, my venture now. And I was blown away when I met an engineer who was an intern. He like finished all his intern work and then he asked to start contributing to Electron. And Electron was like built, uh, 
previously atom atom shell it was a call then it turned an electron and it built like all desktop apps so he's like oh i want to help out an electron so the manager for electron team's like oh sure it's all open source like grab an issue i'll show you how to do it he ended up spending the rest of the summer doing that and then they asked him to come back on like as part-time engineer yeah during his last year of college uh and then he got hired to work on that after he graduated uh and he just got promoted like staff level and this is like only like a handful of years in. That's awesome. And it's because he would just had an interest and there was like this project that was like, oh, cool, whatever. Kick kick that around it. Sure, a lot of apps depend on it, but like it won't make the release if it's bad. So try it out. And it became an expert at a place in the open. That's been actually something for me that's been um, pretty exciting. Like I've been programming databases and machine learning stuff now for like 12 years uh, professionally. And... I hadn't contributed much to open source, but um, once I started getting into the flow of this stuff, like now almost every open source project that I use in earnest, I if I notice a bug, I'll file an issue, yeah. offer to fix it. And like more than half the time, people are like, yeah, yeah, fix it. And then I'll fix it. And it's just yeah. being able to be part of that network is it's it's a really incredible, it's, it's it, really eye-opening experience for me. Yeah, and it's like uh, it's 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 humbling too as well because like you're running a company, you've got customers. I assume you have customers. We do, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you got customers, you got other needs, but like you can go contribute somewhere that's not cr- uh, critical path. Yeah, and that's the thing that I I struggle with right now as like I've removed myself pretty early in the life cycle of the the product from critical path. So like I'm not shipping day to day features for open source. Like I have now people who can do that. Uh, but I go work on the open source stuff, like all the, well, everything's open source, but what I'm getting at is I, I work on the non-critical path, the more of explore engine, the algorithm, like that's fun. And, uh, I can still get my chops up for writing code without being like, Oh man, this feature needs to shipped. Also this feature needs to get shipped and talk to this customer and I'm talking to customer. So I guess I won't be enjoying my weekend like yeah now i can like say hey team please pick up the bandwidth i totally feel i do feel exactly the same way about myself yeah so there's a trend happening right now where more and more startups are starting with open source first if you check out any of the batches of yc you'll see more and more open source companies now submitting applications to yc and getting in now this is a good trend because the scale and velocity of what you can do and grow through open source is off the charts now at open source we are invigorated by providing actionable insights. Insights at opensauce.pizza, it's a platform to get intelligence on your open source projects. So if you're a company and you're up and coming through either YC or you're a series A company who's looking to get their next round of funding and grow community, we have the platform for you. If you're interested in growing your project and growing your open source community, definitely check it out and let us know what you think. Yeah, yeah. And so you had, you, you went to CMU, sorry, you went to Pittsburgh. I went to CMU. Oh, you went to CMU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Pittsburgh. Yep. But uh, so you'd been engineering for a while. So like, did you engineer prior to school? Nope. Okay. I learned I learned Lisp in my basement that summer before CMU, wow. which was a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. So most, most programming learned at school in yeah. college. Uh, so I guess the, the, so open, like most folks find their way in open source through like tinkering or preschool or preschool is not what I meant, but pre-college. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing if there was a preschooler writing code, which I, I'm sure it's, I'm sure there is. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, probably happening somewhere. Uh, if you're in preschool and you're writing code, please reach out. I, I want to hire you. <laughs> um, what I'm getting at is, uh, so pre-college, usually people tinker with things like open source or side projects. Um, 
but now it seems like now you're midstream, you have a company, now you have this new side project. Like, have has this like now opened up a, a web of other ideas that support .query and other libraries? Absolutely. I think, um, first of all, we're thinking about other components of Impura that we can open source um, that uh, may or may not be under the banner of .query, but they'll support the uh, roadmap that we have. Um, one example is that very soon with .query, Right now, when you ask a question, it answers it about one document. Yeah. Um, very soon, you'll be able to ask a question about a pile of documents, and it will answer those as well. So you can say, like, what invoices are due next week, or um, which invoices are from this vendor. Um, and uh, there's some other technology at Impura that supports doing stuff like that, which we might um, open source uh, in the process. The other thing is that it's now um, every entrepreneur... I think has like a set of tools in their toolbox yeah. and um, our tools keep changing. Like we acquire some, we lose some. Um, and now I feel like open source is starting to become a tool in my toolbox. Meaning when we're thinking about building a new feature or launching something, um, we've built a really good relationship, for example, with the folks at Hugging Face. And so um, open source has become like a business tool that we have available to us to collaborate with them. Um, they have a lot of eyeballs and a lot, a really great marketing machine. And so when we collaborate with them, we get a lot of that benefit as well. Um, and so that's kind of, it's a, it's a tool that we have. Um, and now when we think about, you know, uh, whether it's marketing or launching something or building a new feature or which dependencies we take on what other companies or products, we kind of have this tool available to us. Yeah, it's it's amazing that I, I I'm pretty sure lots of companies have, have figured this out and like I just don't know if, I don't think it's actually talked about enough about how you can leverage community and like I want to be clear that it's like it's not just free work it's like a community effort you obviously get a benefit because you have a product that yeah. associates with it but I personally love like I just spoke at Andela yesterday so Andela is a um, staffing agency boot camp. It's a lot of different things, but it's based in Africa and it's basically connecting the Western world to African developers. Awesome. And my whole thing is that there are folks who don't have access, like they're not in the Bay Area, they don't have access, they can't just like walk down Soma and like knock on the doors and get jobs from their resume. So they have to like put themselves out there in a way that they get noticed. So Andela becomes that place where you join, you go through their curriculum, and then you're in the network, you get hired uh, through the agency or full-time at the company. But there's like a whole other way where if you're involved in open source and you're like you're just real like you want to nerd out on a very specific problem or you want to get involved in this very specific community there's so many doors that open up and it's like this um i think of it like i was gonna say fraternity like i don't want to make it very male centric but open source is it's very heavily male centric but it is like fraternity sorority like you have a club of folks that they trust you you trust them yeah and they look out for each other and that becomes a whole nother opportunity of like you're now growing up in like let's say JavaScript or Python or machine learning, there's a, a, a crew of people now you can support each other. Uh, so I say this because like open source, that's what it was before we went and got a Delaware C Corp. It was just a Discord. And we just talked about open source. I built a couple things. There's a community of people interested in working on this with me. Yeah. Uh, and now they work on, with me full time. And I've also sourced contractors. And our most recent contractor is based in Nigeria. He came through doing like, he did like four PRs in one of our open source projects. They were great PRs. I asked him, what are you doing? Do you want to like work full time or part time to start with? And he's like, yeah, sure. I got nothing else going on. 
And I would not have discovered this person if it wasn't for having this project that I built. Uh, it was the last two weeks of last year during the holiday break. Yeah. Had an idea, threw it together. And then six months later, I find this guy through my PRs. I think one of the things I'm personally excited about uh, your vision is that um, as someone kind of new to open source, there are a lot of obvious benefits and trade-offs with open sourcing something like DocQuery. Um, but a lot of those things, they feel very implicit. Like, yeah. oh, you know, like I've heard that you can do X, Y, and Z and you get ABC benefit. Like, oh, you open source something, you get all these people signing up. And there's some tribal stories about it from other people. But I think like illuminating what the um, incentives are and um, highlighting people that are contributing a lot, helping you reach the people that are actually taking advantage of your software. Um, I, I, I just think that um, kind of like shining light on w- what feels kind of like a hidden or implicit thing yeah. in the community that's actually healthy um, is, is really cool. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. And it's, it's like, so like DocQuery, I checked yesterday. It was like over a thousand stars at yeah. this point. Um, a little bit over and like stars is a really good metric to see engagement and like who's saving it for later. Uh, but there's other things that we're currently providing metrics on and like engagement and PR. So mm. one thing that I'm trying to push for is like labeling PRs. Like a lot of open source projects don't do labels on PRs. They do it on issues. But to identify what's happening in the, the process, the review process, by just a label is something we'll, we're encouraged in the future. But other things like spam, like projects that get more, more spam tend to have way more traction and trying to understand like where the spam's coming from, who are these folks, what's what's making it so spammable yeah. uh, are things that even GitHub hasn't done a lot of work in. And even though there's tools specifically to stop spamming, not a lot of people know spam can be blocked. Oh, no. I mean, even like the simple things, like when I was setting up the Dockery repo, I, I barely understand the difference between issues and discussions and like what the schema for issues should be yeah. um, and how to organize them. So like, I think more workflow around that stuff, um, especially for people like me that are relatively familiar with traditional software engineering workflows um, and really unfamiliar with open source workflows, it would be really welcome. Yeah. The, the whole communication, like uh, there's like so many tools you can use on top of GitHub or on top of your projects if you're not using GitHub, but even things like set up your README. Uh, I think we actually had this conversation about setting up your yeah, README. I took your advice. I took a bunch of notes in that dinner. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, because yeah. setting up your README is literally the front door to your projects. Like you have Impira, which is like the front door to all your customers. But when developers are like, oh, there's an open source project. What can I do with it? How do I get the setup? Can I contribute? Should I contribute? And like they're having that distinction or in marketing, you like you identify your personas. And your persona is like, I want this person to be a high value developer, user slash user. So I'm going to set up the readme in a way that they can get everything they need or set up a docs page, get everything they need. The other one could be just be, I just want someone to use the product. Maybe a deeper customer has like a relationship with the code, but really just wants to like do advanced things. Which is where we are with Docker. Yeah. Yeah. So like that becomes the pathway of, okay, if you want more, here's some API or here's the extension yeah. or here's literally the Python file. Yeah. <laughs> like if you want to build on top of this, let us know. We'll like, if you, if you get to a point where now you can start contracting or sourcing talent to now build on top of this thing. Yeah. So like if, if it becomes okay, like we'd love to do video, <laughs> like I, I'm just like throwing stuff out there. Oh You're yeah. Doing document. There's like, a discord channel about that. Yeah. Is there? Yeah. yeah. So like imagine if like this insert a video and like, tell me at what point, this happens or what is the words that are behind this actress's um, 
head. Like that, that becomes very interesting. And I think what I'm super excited, and actually I want to talk about the machine learning thing as well. So you mentioned hugging face. I'm super excited about like what's happening currently in machine learning. Oh yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Yeah. 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 And so like stable diffusion is like the, the newest one that is open sourced and is public to use Dolly open AI. Like I see the path that's not NFTs for the generated images. Yeah. Uh, what I've been doing is I've been generating for my profile pages for like these cloud accounts. I've been generating pizza faces. Oh, cool. And it's because like, oh, I'd love to put my face there or my logo, but this is really just internal team stuff. I'm just going to put a random pizza face. And I've been generating art. <laughs> like uh, for Dolly, I've been generating Dolly paintings yeah, of yeah. pizza faces. That's awesome. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a great use case. You need to send me some. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually need to start dropping them in the Discord because I did a stream and I was like creating them live on stream. I was like, oh, oh yeah. this is amazing. Like these are high quality art. Like I could print this up and put it on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, I was getting into like, what's your thought on this, this world into, yeah. it seems like VCs like are liking this now. It's like the only thing they talk about now. Well, I think, um, I've had a lot of discussions with a lot of smart people about this. And one thing I can say is that there's no consensus. Yeah. Um, and the reason is that the most sophisticated publicly available language models are locked down and closed. Um, and, uh, I am not enough of an expert in the stable diffusion track to make a statement about whether stable diffusion is more sophisticated than Dali. It, it, obviously it's arguable, but in some ways it, it, it doesn't matter. It, the fact that, you know, I, the fact right now is that there's a good chance that the most sophisticated models at any point in time will be closed and proprietary. And there's kind of two reasons for that. The first is, um, just the economic incentives and research yeah. and cost of training stuff. And then the other is the cost of actually running a model is really high. Like a, you know, several hundred billion parameter model. Um, you can't run it on like any EC2 machine, for example. Um, and so, um, that's kind of the state of the world, but what gets me very excited and stable diffusion actually inspired DocQuery in many ways. Um, not that we're in the same realm of Mindshare, but um, the fact that Stable Diffusion was open source made me, just really motivated me to think like, okay, the same thing should be true for under, for our use case, understanding documents. But at to me, at any time T, if there's a proprietary model that can do a particular task within a fixed number of months, there will be an open source model that can do that task. And by that time, the proprietary models may be able to do more. Um, but what's really exciting to me is like, there's a threshold of usability and power for a machine learning model to be able to solve a task. And so essentially, if anyone can ever demonstrate that a machine learning model can solve a particular task, I feel pretty confident that a few or several months later, there will be an open equivalent to that. Um, and that's really exciting because I think without that, how could you possibly build a business based on machine learning. Um, the second thing I think that's really exciting, uh, anyone working on this, please reach out to me. I'm very, very interested um, in thinking and collaborating on this topic is model compression. Um, GPT-3 is an amazing piece of technology, but for any given task that you might use it for, it is way too powerful. Um, and model compression is this idea that you can take a much smaller model something as small as can run on a server or your laptop or even your phone, um, depending on the use case, and 
distill the information that um, maybe exists in GPT-3, maybe exists in some training data, maybe exists in a feedback loop that you create inside of your product and make it as powerful, if not more powerful for that particular use case. Um, and I think model compression is amazing because it means that um, the impact of machine learning can be a lot wider than if we have to pay the piper for every API call yeah. uh, that, that we use. And so I personally think that that's going to be a huge area of increased research, hopefully commercialization. Um, and ideally, uh, in, in my mind, the giant proprietary models can, we can think of them as more of like an R and D cost rather than cost of, uh, goods and services. Meaning if I'm developing a model, maybe I prototype it with the giant proprietary model. Maybe I use the giant proprietary model to help me train my smaller model, or maybe I fall back to it in some way. But, um, I think the future is all about creating models that can run on real computers and do real things. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that path, like obviously the GPOs have gotten a little cheaper, uh, in the last six months to a year. Yeah. And we're just coming at it when the GPUs were way more expensive a yeah, couple yeah. years ago. So like, it's like almost like the, um, as the blockchain thing and the web three space has now waned a little bit. Yeah. Now everyone has another reason to make the price go up. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, there, I read an interesting uh, paper today about how the rate at which models is growing is far exceeding Moore's law for GPUs. Really? Okay. Yeah. So um, that's why I'm so bullish on model compression and stuff like that. I, I don't think we're on the best, excuse me, track as a society yeah. right now um, in how we think about actually using machine learning models. Like I, I'm... Um, I, when I talk to entrepreneurs or I talk to investors about it, I'm like freaked out by people that are building their products on GPT-3. Really? Yeah. So including like uh, Copilot and... Um... Well, I think the commercial sort of... Okay, there's a Relationships there yeah. are a little bit different, yeah, right? Yeah, but, so yeah. New, new founders are starting from scratch with GPT-3. Yeah, yeah. Probably not the best use of finances, I guess. It might be a little expensive. You know, I think it's expensive and it's in some ways um, fundamentally flawed, meaning, you know, you're surrendering your IP, uh, right, to, to yeah. someone else. So it, it's... Um, it's kind of like in the old school days, like building a technology company, but licensing all the technology away. Yeah. Uh, that's worked for some companies. Um, but it's really complicated. Like there's a company that's a big public, exciting company, um, that is in the city and they have a big tower and <laughs> they are amazing, uh, amazing company. Um, but they're still navigating the relationship that they have with another company that loves sailboats. Um, and you know, they, took an early bet on licensing their technology. And in one way or another, um, it's likely that for the rest of both of these companies' lives, they're going to have this complicated relationship and it's yeah. never going to go away. Um, and so I think uh, since that company was started, the as a tech industry, we've made a lot of progress away yeah. from that. Um, you know, Meta, Google, they don't have these problems because they were built on yeah. MySQL. Um, and so... I'm, you know, optimistic uh, and also encouraged to contribute to um, the world of, you know, independence. And I'm a huge fan of uh, um, stable diffusion and stability AI for, you know, like showing the world that it's possible to, to uh, produce a model like that in an independent way. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for open independence um, or the other hand, like 
the cloud providers are probably going to either gobble up or or build their own thing. So they got the money, they have, they've got the infrastructure. But with that being said, excited, very bullish on things like Dockquery, um, machine learning, all this stuff is stuff I want to get into eventually. And I think we'll probably have a bit of a story there, at least for open source in the future. But until we get there, uh, I will live through <laughs> through your your project and your your open source stuff. Uh, but I want to wind down too as well and just like thank you for inviting us in the space, having the conversation. Uh, congratulations on the success of open sourcing this tool. It'd probably be the first of many. And uh, I encourage other folks who uh, want to open source a part of their business, like continue to stay saucy and uh, hit me up. DMs are open. Yeah, awesome. It's been a pleasure chatting. And likewise, if there's anyone who um, is kind of like me and has been a proprietary person for some time and you're thinking about open source and whether it makes sense, Um, I'm very happy to chat. Cool. All right. Like and subscribe. The Secret Sauce is a podcast produced in-house by OpenSauce, the open source intelligence platform providing insights by the slice. If you're in San Francisco and interested in being a guest on the show, find us on Twitter at SauceOpen. And don't forget to check out OpenSauce at opensauce.pizza.